I have to admit something. When I was younger, I used to love Mr. Bean. Yeah, Mr. Bean was an excellent show to watch, an excellent show to be a part of. And um, he was something that, that caught my attention every Saturday. You see, Mr. Bean is a series about a character who's always finding himself in awkward situations. It's really about a child in a grown man's body in solving various problems presented by everyday tasks, like um, causing disruptions all over the place, Mr. Bean often seems unaware of the basic aspects of the way the world works. And the program usually features his attempts at what would normally be considered simple tasks, such as going swimming, using the television set, redecorating, and even going to church. You see, Mr. Bean taught me something. Complicating the simple, he created interesting conflict in his life. And I think that happens for us as well. We complicate the simple and we create conflict in our life. And sometimes in life, there are just things that should be simple, but they're just not. I mean, seriously, did you ever feel like things that should be simple rarely are? Seriously, this is a major dilemma in the Baalbach household. I have to be honest with you. When my boys bring their homework home and they need help, they know not to ask dad. Because it's been like 20 years since I've done that math assignment and I don't remember anymore. The simple becomes complicated. Christmas morning, when they were younger, was very challenging. You know why? Because every stinking toy our boys would get had to put something together. And it says easy on it. I read those boxes many times. Easy assembly required. I don't know who wrote those words, but when my house, it was never easy. Because the simple always became complicated. Even the equation, one plus one equals two. The most basic mathematics um, problem that there is today, most basic mathematic concept that's out there, it's probably the first one that we've all learned, right? It's simple. If you have one apple and you bring in another apple, you have two apples. If you take one apple away, mathematicians, what do you got? One apple. Addition and subtraction, uh, subtraction is the basic concepts of mathematics. But did you realize coming into the 20th century to prove, prove the reality of mathematics, it took over 300 pages of proof for that one simple concept, one plus one equals two. I mean, seriously, shouldn't the simple things in life remain, I don't know, simple? But they rarely do. And sometimes the simplicity of things just becomes so complicated. Yet as difficult as life can get and as complicated as life can be, every difficulty really provides an opportunity. Albert Einstein once said, in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. There's truth there. You see, conflict provides opportunity. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you're like me, 
We don't like conflict. We don't enjoy it. In fact, many of us do everything we possibly can to avoid conflict. We try to push it out of our life. But the reality is conflict provides opportunity. I mean, another serious life problem I have. I mean, have you ever had a bucket at home and you just want to fill it with water? but the bucket never fits underneath the faucet at the sink. I mean, this is a serious, serious life dilemma, people. It's a serious frustration. And I'm just so thankful that we have Seth, our online campus pastor here, because he is just such a smart man. And he has provided a simple life hack to this serious problem. Check this out. Hey, thanks, Bill. I'm on location to show you this week's life hack. This week's life hack has to do with if I've got a bucket like this and I need to get it filled, but I can't get it under the sink. Don't know if that's ever happened to you, but the easy solution is you find a dustpan like this, you put it under the sink, turn this faucet on, and slowly the dustpan fills up. And when the dustpan fills up, the water runs down the handle and into your bucket, and your bucket is filled. And that's all there is to it. Now back to you, Bill. Thanks, Seth. My life is going to be so much better now. I can tell you that. But another struggle is truly dealing with conflict. I mean, let's be honest. Conflict is a real struggle in life because there is a war that each of us fights within our own self. When life doesn't quite go the way that we had planned it, when things don't happen the way we want them to happen, when conflict arises in our heart of hearts, we are left with a decision, what do I cling to? Which direction do I go? What will we do? And in relationships, when we find ourselves at the crossroads of opposing needs, of opposing ideas and beliefs and values and goals, there we find our struggle. There we find our conflict. And the question of the day is quite simple. Is there a way to avoid this? Is there a way to deal with conflict in our life? Did you know primarily the Bible is a story about relationships? It's all about our relationship with God and building that relationship and likewise our relationships with others and building that relationship. From beginning of time, we've seen relationships go through cycles of good times and cycles of conflicts. It's just the reality of life. It's happened with man's relationship with God and people's relationship with other people. And in the Old Testament, there was a man by the name of Moses. And Moses had a significant job given to him by God and that was to free the people out of the slavery of Egypt and lead them to the promised land. But oh, by the way, there was many, 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 many years of desert uh, journeying before they got to the promised land. And you can believe me that through those journeys, there were many occasions of conflict. It's just natural in human nature. It really is. And one in particular conflict that stands out in this whole story of Moses that stands out to me is found in Exodus chapter 32. Here, Moses journeyed to the top of the mountain to hang out and speak with God. And while he was at the top of the mountain, all the other Hebrew people were hanging out in the valley at the bottom of the mountain. And it seemed like forever. Now, have you ever had one of those experiences in the waiting room? 
I mean, whether it's a doctor's office or um, you're going to get your license updated or whatever it may be, but it just seems like it's forever to get called on and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing seems to be happening in the time period that you want it to happen and nothing really seems to be going the way that you hoped it to be. You know, it's frustrating sometimes, isn't it? Well, imagine that, and this is what's going on with the Hebrew people at this time. They're having their waiting room experience. You see, they, they really did not know where they needed to go. They really had no idea what they were supposed to be doing. All they knew, they were simply tired of waiting for Moses to get back down. And impatience festered within their hearts and conflicts grew. And oftentimes, when conflicts develop, we mishandle them. We mishandle them, which develops more conflict. And that's exactly what happened with the Hebrew people here in Exodus 32. So the question is, how do conflicts generally develop? Well, I think there's some great things here that we see in these people. Number one, they develop by personal desires. They develop by personal desires. I like to call this our fast food mentality. You know, going to the local fast food chain, we like to have our food the way we want it. And we see the commercial of this nice piece of steak between two pieces of bread with a whole bunch of fun on it. And that's what we want, right? But then we wait for our food and it takes more than 30 seconds. I mean, can you believe that? And then when it finally gets to us, they usually get something wrong. And then what happens when it takes longer than what we hoped it for and our order comes out incorrectly, you feel it, don't you? You get a little frustrated. Oh yeah, be honest. Because what happens is your desire did not meet reality. And when that happens, conflict occurs. And it doesn't just happen with going to the local food chain, does it? It happens every day in our life. Maybe in our marriage. Maybe with our children. Maybe with our neighbors or a coworker, whatever it may be. We have within our hearts desires that we want met. In a time frame that we want it met. And when those desires aren't met, conflict is created. Look what happens in Exodus chapter 32. Here in verse 1, it says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. Did you see what's happening here at the very beginning of this story? They were not getting what they wanted and they became impatient. They were tired of waiting. And due to their impatience, they felt that Moses... And by the way, God was letting them down. And how often does that happen in our life? We feel let down because what we want is not happening. And we begin to put demands on other people and demands on God. And then in so doing, conflict comes. Conflict arises when what we want is not met. Secondly, the second um, uh, thing that, that creates controversy is misunderstandings, is misunderstandings. You know, the development of email, then text messaging, and then social media outlets like Facebook have provided some pretty funny misunderstandings. You know, I found some on the internet that, that are quite humorous. I saw one that a mom once wrote on her Facebook page, a long day. Jesus makes things so hard on me. And her friend responded, doesn't he? But it's for the best. 
Just keep it in your, in your heart and keep praying, girl. It will get better. Jesus works in mysterious ways. And the mom wrote back, well, Jesus is my 14-year-old son. He was suspended from school for punching a janitor again. Just a small misunderstanding, right? Another one I saw was a dad texting his daughter. And the dad texted his daughter, mom's back in the hospital, LOL. And the daughter wrote, what? What's so funny about that? And the dad responded, it's not funny. And the daughter texted back, then why did you laugh out loud? And the dad wrote, laugh out loud? I thought that meant lots of love. <laughs> Another misunderstanding. And so often, misunderstandings are created within our relationships with other people. And can I just be honest for a moment? With the development of email and text messaging and social media, there has been created so many more petty misunderstandings that really are nothing, but they escalate to unfortunate conflicts. Because you know what one of the most important parts of communication is? It's the ability to actually hear the other person and their tone. It's the ability to actually see them and see how they're responding. See, there's important parts of communication that are eliminated through email, text messaging, and social media outlets. And so guess what then happens? Well, we get a text message, or we get an email, or whatever it may be, and we do not see the tone of the person. They may not have a negative tone whatsoever, but our current mood develops the tone for them that then creates conflict that really didn't need to be there. And so often we have misunderstandings. And we need to be very, very careful because so often we allow misunderstandings to destroy the relationships in our life. It's once been said the worst distance between two people is misunderstanding. Misunderstanding creates a huge gap in what were good relationships. And so we need to be very, very careful with the misunderstandings that we tend to take. Look what happened in the story in Exodus, uh, the second half of, of verse one. It says here, as for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Did you, did you see what happened here? They didn't know what happened to Moses. So reading between the lines, we see that they began to make their decision based on their assumptions. And so often, conflicts occur due to misunderstandings that lead to assumptions that develop a self-made reality. And we have too many people today who are living in their own self-made reality simply because they develop their own assumption based upon a misunderstanding and there's a conflict that really should never be there in the first place. And so some of us need to be really honest with ourselves and step out of our own made reality and find out what is the truth to this situation? Is what I'm interpreting real? Because I bet you the majority of the time, it's not. And sometimes it's just a misunderstanding that led to assumptions. And we need to be very, very careful with the assumptions that we develop and the realities that we create. The next cause of conflict that, that is a problem, I like to call it the don't rock the boat mentality. The don't rock the boat mentality. Now, I don't want to step on anybody's toes right now. But my friends, we have developed 
a don't rock the boat society. We truly have. This reality has come to life in a television show I used to enjoy watching called, called What Would You Do? This show, using hidden cameras, observes, what, how, I'm so, I'm sorry, observes how ordinary people respond when they are confronted with dilemmas that require them to either do something about it, to take action, or simply walk by minding their own business. And it amazes me when a real dilemma escalates, how many people choose to simply walk by, turn their head, stay out of it, and don't rock the boat. I mean, we use excuses all the time. It's not my business. It's not my problem. It's a free country. It's their own choice. Whatever it may be, we, we walk this path of, let's just not rock the boat. Let's not create controversy. But can I be honest with you just for a moment? When conflict is developing, we have a tendency, I don't want to deal with it and so what I'm going to do is I'm not going to deal with it and just hope that it just goes away. But you know, deep down in your heart, if you don't deal with it, it doesn't go away. Do you know what it does? It just festers and it festers and it grows and it grows until eventually it becomes this huge explosion. So let me ask you this question. Would you rather deal with the conflict in your life and in your relationships in the explosion time or when it's not quite a big deal yet? See, you can't avoid conflict. Conflict happens and we need to learn how to deal with it. Now in the story in Exodus chapter 32, Moses had a right-hand man. His name was Aaron. Aaron was the guy that God gave to Moses to help lead his people to be his sidekick, to be his co-leader in this endeavor. And while Moses was on top of the mountain, it was Aaron's job to continue to lead the people and keep them on the right path. But look what happens with Aaron in this story, verses two through four. It's written, Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Do you see what happened? Aaron chose in this moment to not rock the boat. He did not want to deal with conflict, and so he became passive. And Aaron simply gave in to their demands. He gave in to what they wanted. And in so doing, he created a much, much bigger problem than what already existed. And sadly, too many Americans have become pretty passive in their lives because we don't want to rock the boat. We look the other way. We adjust our moral code of what's right and wrong so that we can just try to keep the peace. But that's not real peace. It's just developing conflict down the road. All you're doing is kind of pushing it further along to deal with sometime later on in your future. Don't look over the obvious. Jot this down. Mishandled conflict sabotages healthy relationships. 
mishandled conflict sabotages healthy relationships. Whether we're focusing on ourselves and what we want, whether it's simple misunderstandings that escalate, or simply an attitude of passivity that just develops within our heart into a bigger problem, it sabotages healthy relationships. And a relationship that could have been really healthy and grown stronger and better has become destroyed. And no longer exists. And sadly, I see too many relationships destroyed because conflict was not dealt with correctly. Conflict was not dealt with in a right way. And in Exodus 32, we see the consequences to mishandling conflict. Look what happens in verse, uh, what, first, I'm sorry, first it separated their conflict with God, their, their relationship with God, it separated their relationship with God. And look what God says in verses 33. The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. And then in verse 34, it says, However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. In other words, because this conflict escalated and got to the explosion point, it hurt their relationship with Moses and it hurt their relationship with God. All because of their own desires. All because of their simple misunderstandings of what is Moses really doing. And all because Aaron chose just to look the other way. An explosion occurred. And it happens too often in our relationships. Many of us, when conflict arises, we find ourselves falling prey to some serious negative relational tendencies. We do. See, the problem is we don't know how to deal with the issue and so we just allow it to escalate by how we respond. And there's a man by the name of Dr. Gottman. He is a professor in psychology and expert on relationships and wrote many books and he developed what is called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. These are four bad omens that appear in conflict and sometimes they build upon each other. These aren't your notes. You can jot them down if you want, but let me just highlight them really quickly for you. The first bad omen is criticism. You see, this is a step beyond complaining. Criticism is really bad because it involves attacking someone's personality. It involves attacking their character. And as a general rule, criticism involves blaming. It involves making uh, personal attacks or accusations on the other person. But from there, what's built on from there is another bad omen, and that's contempt. Contempt. This is absolutely poison to a healthy relationship because what separates contempt from criticism is now there is an intention to insult and, and psychologically abuse the other person. Criticism may happen by chance. Contempt is a decision of your heart to simply attack the other person. And I think there should be a law against contempt because it goes after the person's heart. It destabilizes the relationship and it just causes more and more pain. And common expressions of contempt are things like name-calling, hostile humor, or even mockery. Whatever can take place to destroy and assassinate the person's character. Another bad omen that Dr. Gottman uh, shares is defensiveness. This is so destructive because defensiveness often becomes a reflex. It just happens. We don't even think about it anymore. This is when we play the victim card. My life stinks. I have it so bad. It's everybody else's fault. 
You have it better than me. Whatever it may be, we allow defensiveness to become the, the uh, re- reflex of our responses. And it destroys healthy relationships. And the fourth bad omen that Dr. Gottman talks about is stonewalling. Stonewalling. This occurs when a person is completely overwhelmed with their emotions and they simply withdraw. And did you realize that 85% of stonewallers are men? Did you know that? Guys, can I just speak to you for a moment? The reality is, men, we don't deal with our emotions too well, like our lady friends do. We don't. We believe we need to be tougher and stronger and just kind of make it seem like everything's good. But that doesn't help the problem. It really doesn't. And then when we become overwhelmed with emotions, we become overwhelmed with the issue, we simply withdraw and we quit trying. And in so doing, we destroy the relationships in our life. And you know, at times these things, these uh, may happen, they may occur, but the real problem is when we allow them to become habits. When these become the norm of how we respond to things, there is a serious, serious, serious problem. And a quick side note, in relationships that choose not to make the issue of things, that don't handle the conflict too well, often resort to other substitutes, like overeating, depression, gossip, and maybe sometimes physical illnesses, among other things. And if you're in that boat where you're in a difficult situation in a relationship and you're really struggling and you find yourself gravitating towards other substitutes to try to take away the pain, you don't need to be alone. You don't. In fact, we have a great ministry here called Revolution. It's our Celebrate Recovery ministry on Friday nights. And there are people there that will love you and support you and help you overcome those habits in your life. We need that support. The more we try to do it on our own, the more we fail. We need each other. So if you're in that boat, please join our group on Friday night because I know you'll be encouraged and I know you'll be blessed by it. But I know in our life, we just want to avoid conflict altogether. We just want to push it out. And there is a great life hack to help us with that. But let me tell you something. Like I said already, we can't avoid conflict. But what we need to focus on is not escalating the problem. And so how do we really avoid conflict? I think in James chapter 1, verse 19, there's some great wisdom there. Look what it says. Understand this. My dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I love the letter of James. You see, James is a straight talker. He says it like it is. And here he provides some great words of wisdom to sidestep conflict. But let's be honest, as I said, healthy relationships do not eliminate conflict. We need conflict in our relationships to make them stronger. However, We need to realize what we do to escalate those things and de-escalate the conflict by not mishandling them. And so here's some wisdom that James gives to us. Number one, talk less, listen more. Talk less, listen more. You've been there before. You're in an argument and all you're trying to do as you're listening is figure out your response. Have you been there? And all you're trying to do is you're listening to prepare how you're going to respond. Can I just be honest with you for a moment? That's not listening. It's not. It's arguing. 
And all you're doing is making the problem worse. True listeners just slow down and stop and listen. But can I also be honest for a moment? Sometimes in our life, we need to put down the things that hold our attention from the people around us. Maybe it's the tablets, the phone, TV, or your book that you're reading, whatever it may be, sometimes we allow other things to get in the way of our relationships. And can I just be honest with you for a moment? If you aren't a good listener when there is no conflict, you will not be a good listener when conflict comes. You just won't. And so you want to be a better listener? Start doing it and practicing it when there is no conflict. Become more focused on the relationships in your life. Listen to them. Hear them. Because when you do that, you will have a greater ability to listen when conflict comes. Sometimes we just need to talk less and listen more. And stop with the one-uppers. You ever been in a discussion and and, um, argument when everybody's trying to one-up each other? It's not cool. Just stop. You're great. You're wonderful. But stop with the one-uppers. Listen. The second words of wisdom from James is to control your temper. Control your temper. I don't think there is much explanation that needs to be said here. Because sometimes we just allow anger to control us. And what tends to happen when conflict arises is then we make the person we're in conflict with the enemy as our anger escalates. And let me just be honest with you for a moment. That person is not your enemy. They are not. The enemy is Satan and the force that's trying to tear apart the relationship. The enemy is the, 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 what is causing the conflict. That's what needs to be dealt with. That person in front of you is not your enemy. So stop making them your enemy. Control your temper. Don't allow anger to reign. You know, sometimes in our life, we give our children the timeout rule. And for adults, we need that sometimes too. So do me a favor. When you're in conflict and you feel your anger boiling up, you need to time out. So go walk away, count to 10, 50, 100, or 1,000 if you need to. But get away from the situation, cool down. Because let me tell you something. In conflict, if you allow anger to win, you never win the conflict. Because winning is not winning the argument. Winning is resolving the conflict. That's the win. So realize what the win is. And resolve the conflict and don't allow anger to control you. Because the truth is this, mishandled conflict creates lots of burdens in our life. On the flip side, jot this down, conflict dealt with correctly can strengthen relationships. Conflict that's dealt with correctly strengthens relationships. It's written in Proverbs chapter 27, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Do you hear that? Iron sharpens iron. But what do you get when you rub iron together? You get a spark, don't you? What this verse is saying is that the creation of sparks sharpens iron. The sparks are needed. Likewise, in the midst of healthy conflict, 
relationships are strengthened. Don't miss this point. You will not avoid conflicts in your life as much as you want to try to. You will not. But the smart people are those that find the ability to handle with conflict correctly and in so doing, rather than destroying your relationships, you develop them and you make them stronger. That's what conflict is supposed to do. It takes your relationship to a whole new level. But when it's mishandled, it destroys it. The reality is that you cannot escape it. But what the thing is, is knowing how to fight. That's the critical, critical component. There's a book called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts by Les and Leslie Parrott. And in that, they, they share seven steps to fighting a good fight. And this book is focused on marriage. And I really, if you're married or, getting, or planning to be married, um, if you're in that process, I really encourage you to get that book. It's excellent. Um, but there are also, if you're not married, some, some great words of wisdom just for relationships in general. And this is one part of it. And so there's seven steps on um, finding a good fight. I'm going to go through these really quickly. Um, but if you really want to see more about what they say about this, I really encourage you to get that book and read it. But here's the seven steps to fighting a good fight. Number one, don't run from strife. Don't run from strife. Don't try to avoid it. Don't run from the conflict. It never leads to a good path. Stop that. Number two, choose your battles carefully. Choose your battles carefully. You know, sometimes when we have a lot of um, arguments to deal with or a lot of complaints, if you will, we try to go through them all. You know, don't do that. Choose your battles uh, carefully. What are really the big issues? Number three, define the issue clearly. Define the issue clearly. Have you ever been in an argument and before you know it, you're into a shouting match and then you go from this point to this complaint to this complaint to this complaint and you name call and you do all this and then before you know it, 10, 15 minutes later, you have no idea what you even started arguing about? Have you been there? I've been there. The problem is you don't even know what the problem is. And so that's why when conflict arises, define what the issue is. Here's what I'm upset about. Here's what we need to work on. And allow that to be the focus of the discussion, not 10 other things. Um, the next one, state your feelings directly. State your feelings directly. Some words of wisdom, use I statements instead of you statements. You know, the you is the accusation. You did this rather than I feel this way. See the difference? You're not accusing them. Secondly, here's two words to take out of your conflict vocabulary. The words always and never. You know, have you been there? You always do that. Or you never help me in this. Guess what? You just escalated the problem. You didn't de-escalate it. Take those words out of your conflict vocabulary. Fifthly, rate the intensity of your feelings. In this book, they have a great one to 10 rating of, of intensity. And when you go to the doctor and you have issues, they always ask, okay, rate the intensity of your pain. I'm at a 10, right? We should do the same thing in our conflict. How mad are you? One is, it's, it's really no big deal. We just need to talk about this. 10 is, I am so mad, I need to get out of this place. So rate your intensity. Where are you at? How mad are you really? Number six, give up put downs. Give up put downs. Stop putting down the other person in conflict. All it does is escalate the issue. Number seven, don't dwell on the downers. Don't dwell on the downers. Don't let all these things just put you down and destroy the ability to resolve the issue. The reality is this. Conflict is a needed 
ally to healthy relationships. It's just a matter how you deal with the conflict that is really the issue here. You know who's a great example of that? Jesus. Jesus was the perfect example because from the beginning of time, man broke their relationship with God and something needed to happen. And God knew that it was a necessity for Jesus to come into this world of conflict. And in order for him to restore our relationship with him, Jesus had to go to the conflict of that cross to make it right. And likewise, in our relationship today, it should not be about running from conflict or avoiding conflict or escalating the issue by by mishandling it, but rather learning how to properly deal with conflict is the key. And in so doing, when you deal with conflict correctly and you allow those sparks to fly in a healthy way, you will see relationships that don't get broken and destroyed, but relationships that become stronger and stronger and stronger. That's the way that God designed us. So where are you at? Have you allowed conflict to destroy relationships in your life? It's okay. Today can be a new beginning. It can be. You don't have to allow that to define you. Let's start today. And let's start dealing with conflict in a right way. In a healthy way. And let's make the relationships in your life, whether it's your marriage, with your kids, with your neighbors, co-workers, whoever it may be, let's make those relationships the best that they can be by how we deal with the situation at hand. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you because you are the example of how to deal with conflict. When we broke um, the relationship with you, you came to us to make it right. And Lord God, help us to do the same in the relationships in our life. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. I don't know where they're at, what they're dealing with, or the conflicts they're, they're, they're dealing with right now, but you do. Lord, help us in all of our conflict, in all of our relationships, to not mishandle it, to not escalate the issues and destroy relationships, but help us, Father God, to follow your example, to handle the conflict in a right way, to restore the relationships in our life and to make them healthy and strong and vibrant. And may we just follow after you. We thank you for who you are and we just want to, to follow your lead. It's in your name we pray, amen.